Coming up on That Was a Show. Prolific actor Matt Frewer secured his place in the pop culture zeitgeist with his lead in the cult classic Max Headroom and went on to countless movies and TV roles, yet none bigger in terms of actual minutes of screen time than Dr. Mike Stratford, general practitioner, novelist, and TV medical expert in Providence, Rhode Island. Despite disappearing into obscurity, this show holds an important place in television history as Dr. Doctor is the first ever recipient of the GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Comedy Series, two years in a row. So why didn't CBS refill their prescription? Bryn, Aaron, and Barry schedule an appointment to get the diagnosis. <laughs> we grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince, but those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were canceled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, Barry. Hey, hey, Barry, and all you listeners out there. Hi, Bryn. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to our couch. Yeah. Hi from across the couch. Yeah. That was the other name for this podcast hello from the other side of the couch <laughs> that's not bad yeah it's not bad it's not bad but it doesn't quite work like in the context of you because you're across the internet waves from us they don't know it could be a really big couch yeah that's <laughs> true it could be like one of those like 70s era conversation pits that just like wraps all the way around you know I love those. Yeah, like that would be my dream living room. It's like, like one of those sunken conversation pits. No kidding. Y you're referring, yeah. of course, to Don and Don and Megan's apartment. And literally, uh, literally, yeah. that is my dream home as Don and Megan Draper's apartment. We've been watching a lot of Mad Men lately. Yeah, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, the good old so, rewatch. I got a fun, fun little game to play. Uh, I'm enjoying. That I know when these episodes are coming out. I, yep. I like the first and the 15th. So today, as you are listening to this at home, it is April 1st, 2023. Why don't we play a little game of how wrong were we? <laughs> I like this. So, okay. Uh, the Oscars are on March the 12th, next Sunday. <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm gonna go through just four categories. All right. Uh, and we're going to all... Just say what we think's going to win. And then everybody uh, listening at home on the first can laugh because they'll be wrong. Uh, I mean, I don't even. I'm so. I'll do the nominations. I'll do the all nominations. All right. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm just okay. like not invested in the Oscars. That's these days. all right. That's yeah. all right. Everybody who knows me knows uh, I'm a big Oscar guy. I know Oscar you are. Guy. You are. But yeah. All right. So we're going to go with. So first we'll start with actress in a leading role. Okay. The nominees are. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna Darmas for Blonde, Andrea Reisberg for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, 
and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Who's going to win? I think it's going to be Michelle Yeoh. Aaron? I'm going with the same answer. Yeah. I was actually thinking that even before you said it, Michelle Yeoh. I would very much like that. I think it'll probably be Blanchett. Okay. Uh, let's go with actor in a leading role. We've got Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, mm-hmm. Austin Butler in Elvis, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living. Oh my God, I haven't seen most of these. Uh, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm gonna go I mean, with. I'm Colin gonna go Farrell with. Carol was great, but I'm gonna probably go with Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, because that's the role that's been getting all the buzz. I don't know. I don't do you think, think it'll win. I don't no? think it'll okay. win. I, okay. I think. I think. I think it's gonna go to Austin Butler personally. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> uh, so for directions, directions for directing, we've got Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneihart for Everything Everywhere All at Once. They are colloquially known as the, the Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Todd Field for Tar. And Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. I'm going to hedge on this one. And I'm going to say it's going to be either Spielberg or The Daniels. And I refuse to choose which one, but my vote <laughs> is one of those two. Fair. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the Daniels. I'm gonna go with what I want to win. Yeah, I think I think I I actually think Spielberg's gonna get this one. Okay, not that he's never won before, but you know, but they like as, to give it not a, not as often as you think, though. Yeah. Okay. For best picture, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Hmm. I First mean- <laughs> of all, can I just jump in real quick and yeah. say it's disgusting that Sarah Pauly was not nominated for directing? Just putting that out there. Just putting it Ag- out there. Agreed. Yeah. This is why I don't like the Oscars is because people get robbed all the time and then there's a lot of dumb things that get nominated and it's just, it's always a, Okay, end of rant. Very, very fair point. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll say this, though. As far as direction goes this year, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good list. It's, yeah. There's nobody on there that I find is a glaring shouldn't be there. Um, best picture? I don't even care. I just, <laughs> I, I, okay, I don't, I, like, I really would love, like, there's a couple of films on there that I actually, like, loved. Like, I did love The Fablemans. I did love Everything Everywhere All at Once. I would be thrilled if either of those two won. I don't really know where their heads are at. I don't know what the conversation is. I don't know what is rumored to win. I like I I don't know. I'm going to say the Fableman at the risk of sounding like we are of one hive mind here. I feel the <laughs> same way. And this is kind of what led to me hedging on the previous one. Yeah, I'd be happy with either of those two films winning. And I think those two films are probably the most likely to win. So I don't know which one. But maybe you're more invested, Barry, so maybe you have a different answer. I don't know. I don't know for sure which one I would prefer to win. I don't want to go too far into the weeds on reviewing these films (laughs) in the context of our sitcom podcast. I didn't want to get into that either. I just want to play, this is what we think is going to happen, and then two (laughs) weeks from now, 
or almost a month from now, okay. we'll know. I think there's a good chance. Okay, here's what I'll say. I think mm-hmm. there's a real chance that everything everywhere all at once gets best picture. It could sweep. And Steven Spielberg gets best director. I that's think sort that's of where I that's really kind of where yeah. I'm leaning. That's yeah. where I'm leaning to. Uh, and uh, I those would are, not yeah. hate for that to be the outcome because and I wrote a whole paper in film school about this. I don't believe in the always assuming the auteur framework of filmmaking. And I think with a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, there are many factors that led to it being a great film. Um, yep. Acting being maybe the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematography maybe being the second biggest. The and, fucking um, production design of the that. The production movie. design. Oh. And screenplay. screenplay. I mean, the screenplay. it's a very screenplay. original screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. The screenplay. But like, All the key things yeah. are there that make yeah. it There's a so, fabulous, yeah. the, incredible it's a, film. It's very well yeah. directed, too. But you can't say that it's because of just the directors that that is a great film. There are it's so many pieces. It's all the yeah. pieces. There's so many factors that make it great. Whereas The mm-hmm. Fablemans is clearly Spielberg's story autobiographically about himself. Yes, he collaborated with many other people to work on it. It wouldn't have been a great film without the efforts of all those other people. But it is more of a auteur by a particular author film, just by the very nature of that. Yeah story and style i always like the movies that give me a genuine emotional reaction are usually the ones that end up like they either get it or they're robbed and then i get (laughs) mad (laughs) and this year was those two films that gave me a well and women talking like that gave me genuine emotional reactions overall it was a pretty strong year it was i would say yeah i don't know yeah yeah it's a good it's a good crop it's a good what crop. A crop. What a crop. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll just, li- I'll leave mine and just say like, yeah, I also think everything everywhere all at once is going to win. Uh, and I would be very happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. If that film just like sweeps everything, I'd be happy with that. Too. It, That's it's fine. a real, it's a real, uh, that one's a real Cinderella story. You know, it's it a, is. it's a, it's a small picture. It's a very uh, ballsy screenplay and yeah, uh you I've, know and yeah. then michelle yo you know i've listened to a lot of interviews of like the, the cast and different elements of making the film and it really is such an incredible effort and such an incredible achievement for everybody mm-hmm. and just like the the genuine like um pride that the cast has in being a part of it and the you know, just like the production of it, the ambition of it, the, you know, the yeah. just the fact that they took like that IRS. It was like an actual like IRS building, like an old, <laughs> like non really that that wasn't being used anymore. And they shot most that's of the funny. movie there. And that's kind of what saved the production mm-hmm. was getting access to that building. So whoever, whoever made that happen deserves huge props and you know when it's something as little as that like or not little but i mean when you really think about the producing then you know it's like a huge achievement because i think a lot of us get buried in the whole creative elements of it but when you hear that behind the scenes there was like a few really important moves that were made by savvy producers and savvy people then that adds another layer to the whole thing yeah exactly Um, now, if we want to hard pivot over yeah. to situation comedies, I was just going to say, speaking of things that 
don't have a lot of those uh, <laughs> elements in place. Let's Am I referring to our podcast or am I referring to the, the, the sitcom that we watched? Uh, I will leave that up to the audience. Well, before we get into this episode's sitcom, I just want to recap where we're at so far in season three, because, you know, maybe people want to start developing predictions for the next twizzies (laughs) so you know at this point we've done the george carlin show we've done party girl and we've done the single guy so uh that's where we're at (laughs) and uh i don't know that any of those three shows are going to uh win any huge awards um uh yeah i mean (laughs) god where do we even start on so, this? Huh. So um, here's the next entry in our... Um, our canon, I our guess. Our canon, okay. Uh, we are talking about a show called Doctor Doctor. Who wants to hear about this show? So I mean, much, so much. much. Please tell me all about we'll it. Get into it. All right. Doctor Doctor ran from 1989 to 1991 on CBS. It's the story of Dr. Mike Stratford, a partner in a medical practice in Providence, Rhode Island. Mike is played by Matt Frewer. In addition to being a family doctor, he's also a TV medical expert and, for some reason, also a fiction novelist. (laughs) The main thing you need to know about Dr. Mike is that he's constantly cracking jokes and frenetically bouncing off the walls with zany physical antics. This is presumably intended to be funny. Joining him are a collection of quote-unquote straight man doctors and associates in the practice who just pretty much act like normal people suffering through his madcap behavior while trying to run a clinic. There's his best friend and fellow doctor Abraham Abe Butterfield, who is more conservative and business-focused. There's Dr. Grant Linowitz, a vain egocentric heart surgeon. Yes, for some reason, this small family medicine (laughs) practice has a heart surgeon. And there's Dr. Deidre Bennett, who is the most hard-edged and strict out of the bunch. Basically a late 80s boss woman stereotype, minus the Wall Street shoulder pads. And then there are some other supporting characters. Non-traditionally, I'm going to jump right to why I chose this show. This was a very random discovery whilst researching some other prospects. After reviewing The Single Guy, I thought it would be interesting to do another show that lasted a few seasons, but that somehow we've never, ever heard of at all. (laughs) Also, perhaps most interestingly, this is the first show to ever win a GLAAD Media Award for Excellence in Comedy. For those who don't know, GLAAD is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and their awards are given for outstanding, and I quote, for outstanding representations of the LGBT community and the issues that affect their lives. And for the first two years that GLAAD Awards have ever existed, 1990 and 1991, this is the comedy that won. (laughs) So basically, I thought this show might be a hidden gem. Let's find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Barry, had you ever heard of this show before? No, which is weird because I I really like Matt Frewer and I was really surprised to hear that he had a multi-season show I'd never heard of. Okay. Yeah, this is the most minutes of screen time he has for anything he ever worked on. 
And this show lasted 40 episodes. I'm amazed that I never heard of it. I know. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, Max Headroom would have been like half this episodes, right? Yeah. I think like 13 or something plus a movie. (laughs) But yeah. Like quite remarkable that this completely like flew under the radar or disappeared for how long it lasted. And uh, after watching it, remarkable that it lasted as long as it did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we chose it because, like, you were kind of bouncing, like, some options off of me, Aaron, and I was like, ah, we haven't done, like, a medical one in a while. Why don't we just, like, do some, do that one? Yeah, workplace comedy, yeah. Med- medical <laughs> environment See, you know, we read about it, the award thing seemed, yeah, seemed interesting. It, it was very, very promising. Yeah. And, uh, like, similar to um, Party Girl, it just, it felt like I, I couldn't find it anything about it on the online either it seemed like the internet had also been scrubbed you know w- mm-hmm. of uh you know info well, like, about this i was doing the the key art for party girl uh like last week and there's like nothing yeah it, it <laughs> nothing. doesn't exist it doesn't exist this this one, although it ran for several episodes, had like it might as well not have existed either. Like it's very odd. Yeah. Um, if you search up the term "doctor doctor" on IMDb, yeah, this doesn't even come up yeah. in the results. You yeah, have you have to, to really yeah play with it. Yeah. To to get it. To come yeah, up. I had to you know backdoor into it through one of the actors just to find it. Yeah, I went through Fruer. Yeah, I had to go through Fruer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Yeah, why, don't, why don't I set up episode yeah, one? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. And um, so yeah, here we go. Here's episode one, season one, episode one, presumably the pilot. We are introduced to all the doctors in this medical practice. There's friction between Doctor Stratford and his partners over how they run the business. He's also trying to manage the pressure of an overcrowded waiting room, an unhappy girlfriend whom he's ignoring, because he also has a book coming out, and he makes a TV appearance to launch the book, which goes poorly. Hugh Persons is the host of Wake Up Providence, and he's a recurring character played by Brian George. Oh, and Mike is also trying to locate a lost elderly patient. By trying to locate... I mean, making little to no effort whatsoever, (laughs) apart from sort of asking around a bit, but eventually runs into the guy at a local bar and then swiftly loses him again. (sighs) That's that's it. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't he be more concerned about that patient? Like he lost the patient. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is it, it whose whose responsibility is it? If a cl- if if somebody walks out of a doctor's office, I don't think it's necessarily the doctors, especially if they were there with family. Uh, but there's also the support I, staff. I also just I don't know. I found it kind of gross that they kept having this like meeting of the partners while there was like a room full of patients. It was all like it was all. Like nobody was attending to that's, these patients. That's a very good point. I because, found it very yeah. arrogant and upsetting. Yeah. And it's like, if this is a peek inside <laughs> of how doctors actually are, I don't want to see it because I don't want to see that the patients are actually, you know. No, but you're right. You're right. Because at at the one hand, the waiting room is packed with people who are like almost ready to revolt over yeah. how long they've been waiting. And this is the time. 
that these doctors choose to have casual meandering discussions about like the business, the business side. side of the practice. It's like, yeah, maybe put a pin in that. Yeah. Yeah. And and deal Go with some patients. Deal with the task at hand. And then get back to it. Like pick I it think- up. Circle I back, do, as they say. I, I do think that was very much intentional. I mean, I do think that I don't know to what end, but I do think they were trying to show a bit of uh, the business side of this clinic and also that, yeah, these patients are getting ignored because it's brought up several times like, uh, uh Kirk, was it Kirkland? Matt Kirkland? Is that yeah. his? His name, Kirkland brings it up several times. Like, why are we talking about this when we have patients inside? Yeah, yeah. Like, it it is yeah. once or twice addressed, and I'm not sure why. Um, but they definitely are seeming to bring up that the point the pilot seems to be making is that they are spending more time running a business than they are as doctors. Yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 right. That I think you might be right that that's the point. Like that's what yeah. they're trying to do is say. These people are too distracted by the business side, and the main doctor in particular is too distracted by his like side project of being a fiction novelist. We don't really learn what the book is about, but we learn just enough to know it's definitely nothing to do with medicine. It's some sort of like I think it was science fiction, some yeah. sci-fi novel. Um, but it's almost like, and we've had we've encountered a similar thing recently. Oh, you know what? It was on the George Carlin show. Where mm-hmm. we realized it's kind of that issue of like, is it too silly or not silly enough? Like if yeah. the, if the point is that they are neglecting their patients for all these other things, they almost needed to push that further to a cartoonish level where it's obvious that that, that is the intention. Because intention. Mm-hmm. this just mm-hmm. feels like we're, that's not this show is not endearing us to them, especially to the main guy, to Mike. I, I found yeah, yeah, I found the pilot very off-putting in its structure. I I found like it, especially when we get to the end I'm like it it really ends with a real like that's it. That's the show. And like nobody really comes to anything like mm-hmm. yeah. Kirkland does have a thing about how he wants to be treating more patients and he wants to really, you know, he's in it for the medicine and like Stratford, that's right? Stratford. You mean Stratford, Kirkland, Kirkland, Stratford. Doesn't Mike, matter. Mike, Trying to Mike go Str- to Costco, Mike, Stra- <laughs> Mike, Mike Stratf- Stratford. Yeah. Uh, but then the scene just ends. Yeah. So, yeah. It's also interesting yeah. is that the show <laughs> takes a little too much time getting its shit together. I mean, I did immediately want to watch episode two, not because, like, I was enjoying it because I was just like, I, I still don't know what the premise right. is. Mm-hmm. Right. You just really um, wanted to. Yeah. We know. I know that he is a medical consultant because he's offered the job in the pilot, but we never see that like a TV medical consultant. We never see that in the two episodes we watched. So I don't know how integral yeah. to yeah. the show that was. We know he's a novelist, even though we're not quite sure what it's they set up so many facets of this guy's life, but yeah. they don't really like again, and this is a problem with all the shows we cover. Mm-hmm. We only watch two episodes out of 40 episodes. Maybe all of this is in other episodes. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. And I'm not gonna find out. But, you know, um, yeah. if it were a good enough show, we'd be compelled to probably watch yeah. more. You know what I mean? Like, we'd be compelled. Yeah. And I just found everybody in it so unlikable. 
that I just was like, I can't. Like, I have, like, nothing to say about any of this. Like, I just don't <laughs> like any well, of them. If, I'm not rooting for any of no. them. I, I liked found... it a little bit more than you guys. I yeah. didn't I didn't, I didn't. didn't love well, it. Well, because uh, you were already a fan of Furor, I guess. So there's probably something about it that, I don't know. Kind of. Um, I liked, I, I liked elements of taking a chance that they were doing. I did like right. that they were exploring the business side of, of a clinic. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I did like some of the inner, I did like the friendship between the two main doctors. Um, I found, yeah, I, I, I found, yeah, Frewer was allowed to do too much. Um, he wasn't reined in enough because there are elements where I'm just like, oh, guys, did we not have another take of this? Um, okay. Yeah. Almost all, uh, all, yeah like everybody like, was. Everything yeah. was smarmy though. Like I found his his silly humor and his little quips to be too smarmy. Yeah. And like mean spirited. I didn't he, understand. He, I think he was supposed to be a very mean spirited character. But why did everybody like him? Why did everyone <laughs> chuckle none at everything his, but he no, had to no, say? None of, none of his none of his coworkers except for his friend okay, do like him. But it's not the coworkers. It's not that. It's everyone else yeah. who interacts with him and gives him opportunities. And his like publicist lady that was there. Yeah. Who seemed to have a crush on him or something? He had three he had women th- like throwing themselves yeah, yeah, at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Two of them were were at, were people he had that the yeah. pilot confirms that he had dated. Yeah. Yes, it was a it was a real and they like were all attractive, appealing, yeah. successful women. It was a real mm-hmm. like, and art- I did not understand it whatsoever <laughs> because he was a dick and a dweeb, and like <laughs> he would make fun of women's laughs. Like he would always do this thing where he was like. Making fun of it. It's like one of the things that makes my blood boil. It's mm-hmm. that thing that like <laughs> some men do to basically it's like a misogynist kind of thing where they make fun of a woman's laugh where the implication is that they're a ditz. And he did that multiple times. And I wanted to reach into the television and punch the character because I was just like, how do people like you? You're so yeah. rude. Well- you're so condescending. There's there's a bit of like, uh, with with the, <laughs> getting heated with 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 Go the, ahead, with the women yeah. in the with the women in the practice. There's a bit of an Archie comics sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are we just gonna have to keep seeing like all of these women throwing themselves at him for yeah. mysterious reasons, and he doesn't really seem interested the, in any of them. The he just likes the doctors, attention. All the other male doctors are more appealing in different ways. Like they're all way more oh, attractive. Vast, vastly. Espe- especially <laughs> like Abe, even though he's like weirdly conservative or whatever, he's still way more of a like, a tr- like you know, appealing character. But everyone's like here, like throwing their panties at freaking Mike Stratford. <laughs> well, with his like, I just I can't. He can't even comb his hair. Like he can't even comb his hair before going on television. That was definitely like a real like. You got to sitcom up this hair. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a choice. That, that was, was a choice. But was it was a, a choice. strange choice. It was a very odd choice. And it I was. Will s- I don't know. I don't. I don't understand the show. I don't I- understand the intentions. I just. I'll say this about him making fun of that character's laugh. Yeah. I was initially very, very off put by that. Yeah. Um, because the show is so bad at telegraphing what the joke there is. Yeah. That's what the joke seems to be. But when you meet that character, you know she doesn't have she she is in no way a ditz. She doesn't have a ditzy voice. She doesn't have it. So he is 
I don't get why, but he's basically insisting that she's this thing. And it's like, we're supposed to pick up that she's basically the complete opposite of that. Um, and then later when he does it again, it's it's because somebody says the word happy hour. I don't know if this laugh is something that Matt Frewer thinks is funny. I, I don't get why it it's just there. It reminds me of something that an unnecessarily smarmy guy with yeah. who's very... Um, it's it's something that just I, I I've seen in life where there's an overeducated man who is very mm-hmm. into himself and thinks that he's superior to everyone. It's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that he would throw out there in the world and just be like, oh, I'm just so much better than all of you. But yeah. really, he's an antisocial asshole who doesn't know how to relate to 95 percent of human beings. Right. But, so but so and- what I find so what I find interesting with that point is. It's because, but this is house. This guy is fucking house. Right, but- And people love house, and he is way worse. Yes, but like, I don't know. There's something about house that was more, like he, I don't even know. Well, that, that's what I wanted to get at, which is that all of these criticisms are things mm-hmm. that sort of do work in other shows yeah. in a different context. And- there's something about him. It's well, okay, just first him. of all, I don't know. First of it's all, just his, his, it's just mm-hmm. this character. It's just this character. I hate him. <laughs> his physical, his physical. I'm not afraid to say it. His physical energy is like Ace Ventura. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. so. But he's not endearing. But it's like, but not endearing. Yeah. And and then the other aspect of it is that I guess the point is that he's supposed to be constantly making jokes and constantly doing these antics and the other characters have to kind of put up with him or try to rein him in. Like that's part of the premise of the show. But the Mm -hmm. net result is that to us, the audience, it's insufferable. It is just, it is too much. And then, and then at the same time, like, okay, a couple things that I need to comment on that have come up. Go for it. First thing. When Bear- All I'm doing is ranting. I know so you, you, go ahead. You, you. You hate the show. Look, I also hate it. I want to. I want to dissect some it's of these not, things. It's just I hate that character know, too much. But I want to. I want to. That's, dis- that's it. I want to dissect some of these. Okay, some of these details. It. So, Barry, you talked about like, was this the best take you had? Why didn't you get another take of this thing? One thing I noticed, you know, was that there were some mistakes in the camera work, in mm-hmm. a way that like there was a shaky shot. There were a couple shots in the pilot where I could see like barrel distortion on the lens in the corner because they went too wide yeah but we don't we don't uh, we don't know what version of this we're seeing i know we don't we don't, we don't know if we, we don't know if but like the, I, yeah i okay. can't but it, yeah. it what, sure if it was just one was of these details but over watched, the course yeah. of the whole pilot just paying attention to the audio quality paying attention to the performances yeah it felt kind of a little bit rushed and and slapped together like the pilot. It just didn't mm-hmm. quite have that level of polish. I'll say that like season two, episode six, which we'll talk about more soon, was a little bit more polished in terms of those like technical details. So mm-hmm. some of those were obviously just pilot issues, but that was sort of a thing across the board in that first episode. Mm-hmm. But I hoped that like by season two, episode six, his behavior would have settled into something that works a little better. And it doesn't. Again, we'll talk about that more in detail after. I think but, it's better. I think he's better. The other thing is like, okay, his friendship with uh, Abe. Okay. Yep. You know, they're making such a meal out of the fact that it's like, okay, one of them's white and one of them's black and they're friends and they're coworkers. And there's a lot of like jokes mm-hmm. around that. 
Some of those jokes really are inappropriate. pretty like inappropriate and cringy. But you know, it got me thinking like what's a what's a workplace comedy that I like where there's a character that says quite frankly equally inappropriate comments from time to time and that would be Michael Scott in the office. Yeah. And one of the reasons why Michael Scott in the office works is because by design He's not someone presented as, you know, this is the person to be emulated. This is the sole protagonist of the show. This mm -hmm. is the person through whose eyes you should be experiencing this world, right? There are jokes on The Office that don't hold up, jokes that probably shouldn't have been done in the first place. But mm -hmm. on balance, as a series, you know, it holds up. And that's one of the reasons why is because, like, he's presented as a character where you're supposed to think everything that comes out of his mouth, like, if it's not about selling paper, he doesn't yeah. have a fucking clue. Like everything that comes out of his mouth is nonsense. And you're supposed to know that. Right? I have a sadder, a sadder counterpoint well, to that. I just want to say, but this guy's, <laughs> a, this guy's a doctor. Yeah. First of all. And second of all, and, and he is clearly the protagonist of the show. Yeah. It's not an mm -hmm. ensemble cast. All the yeah, other characters. Yeah, he is both the doctor and the doctor. Yeah. yeah. The, yes, yes. He's both doctors in the title. It, you know. Given that the show's called Doctor Doctor, it would have been great if it was a buddy comedy that was equally about two different doctors yeah. sharing a practice. Yeah, it's not though. So let's could be, be let's be could very have been. yeah. Could have been. <laughs> could have been. Let's be very clear. We don't know. It's not. It, is, it, it is could absolutely have been not. Frankenstein together yeah. into being this weird right. thing focusing on him. But he's yeah. the the character dominating the show, and everyone yeah. else is just orbiting around his planet. So there's that problem. Like, imagine if on The Office, some of those things that, that Michael Scott says. Yeah. Imagine if Jim said those things. It would have killed the show right. instantly. Barry, let's get to Barry's <laughs> counterpoint. No, You're going your counterpoint. down to the weeds yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that one of the sad things, especially about the racial component to those jokes and about their back and forth, is... Um, 1989, um, yeah. and I think we'll end up talking about this a bit with as we get in a episode, the, the second episode we covered. But 1989, this somehow passed. This yeah. was yeah. like I don't think at any point in a writer's room those jokes were flagged as in a, it was as flagged as offensive. I think this was just this reminds me a lot of you know love him, absolutely love a guy. This reminds me a lot of the kind of shit that you would see in like a Robin Williams performance of around that time. Right. You would see those similar jokes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also as a counterpoint, if The Office got canceled in the first season and we were covering it, <laughs> outside of Jim, we would have trashed it because yeah. it is hard to fucking watch. And yeah. yes, Jim might seem like the protagonist to us now. He's not. That and show actually, upon rewatches, yeah, yeah, the show is the Steve Carell show. Uh, Jim comes across way more toxic and like, yeah, just yeah, in, sure. in, in yeah. different, in different. But in the more, first season so specifically, yeah. yeah, I mean, but there's so many things in that show that upon rewatching, you're like, oh, yeah. he was not the perfect husband. He was a controlling asshole, oh, of course. But <laughs> like, I'm, but we're, but we're, what I, know. but the yeah. point I was making is, why is it yeah. that we watch and enjoy The Office and we couldn't enjoy this? I fucking I hated. The pilot to the office. Yeah. And I remember refusing to watch again because I found even like in two, what, 2001, I think, 2002, I think, yeah. something like that. The pilot is really bad and offensive and yeah. like 
it was one of those things where I didn't enjoy it. And I, I liked Steve uh, yeah. Carell going into it. So it wasn't. I think over yeah. time, they probably had more people in the mix in that yeah. writer's room. And a lot of the cast had input to their characters and how yeah. their characters were written. So it's not just a few white guys writing the scripts. Like yeah. over time, they had a lot yeah. of people contributing. Whereas I feel like, you know, we're saying, oh, the, these jokes passed in 1989, probably because it was a bunch of white guys in the writer's right. room. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, like, we exactly can, that. We can yeah. solidly you know? conclude that for 1989, this show is pretty par for the course when yeah, it comes to like that stuff. Four, yeah, 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 exactly. All right. Well, <laughs> what's okay. next? Well, what's, what's next? What's you lead the way, Aaron. Sure. And I. <laughs> um, the office. Season one does have Diversity Day, which is one of the most offensive pieces oh, of it, television it, probably it, it ever. Is. It yeah. is to this day. Yeah. Well, these are all very good points. And, yeah. and to be <laughs> honest, like when The Office first came out and I think I saw a few episodes in season one and I yeah. bailed on it. And it wasn't until many, many years later yeah. after it went off the air that friends of mine like pushed me very hard to get back to, to, yeah. get, into to it. give yeah. the office a chance. And I never liked season one of the office, but I guess I was using. No one does. I Parks was, and Rec too. Sure. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Parks it always takes too. the second season but for it to I heat up I, and get good. I like, wasn't trying to do a pilot to pilot season one to season one comparison as much as just the office. Once it finds its footing and once it works as a show, Mm -hmm. Using that as a model for a workplace comedy to understand how do some characters work and some characters don't and what are these mm -hmm. choices that get made and just as a system, as a framework for analysis. And then we can look at this show and, and some of these things are very glaring in terms did, of why I, they don't I, work. I think that I was thinking of this more and more as we were watching it. It's just like or as I've been as I've been watching a lot of these shows is how much that sometimes I am like. I do have to remind myself I don't have a full picture of this show, especially when we talk yeah, about you're right, three Barry. season three season shows. And, right? and I think that's why we try to jump like when we have a show yeah. that lasts longer, we try yeah. to always pick a later episode. Always because good idea. Sometimes you do get that yeah. sense of okay, this is how the show grew. Like, this is yeah. kind of where it went. But yeah, I mean, for this show, it probably was too small a sampling. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, let's you know, put it this way: how how much better could it have gotten? I don't it was know. It was gone a year later. It was gone a year later. It and <laughs> yeah. it hasn't been written yeah. about much. It no. probably just never was that good a show, and it probably had some people who had some pull at the network to keep it on for as long as it was on. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Just before we move on to the next episode, you know, Barry, you mentioned the comparison to Robin Williams. Uh, mm -hmm. for unrelated reasons, but when I was watching this, I thought of that kind of, uh, what's the, what's Patch the movie? Adams. Patch Adams yeah. sort of thing with the, like, the doctor who's, like, always joking and doing all these antics, and, and that's one of those things where I realized, like, is this too silly or is it not silly enough? Is it that mm -hmm. but this But also, is, that had heart. That had- The whole thing behind Patch Adams right. is that a character had a heart. Right. Whereas so, this guy is like kind of a dickhead, mean-spirited guy. The thing guy, about Patch but, Adams is mm -hmm. if you're the doctor who's acting like a clown because it's uh, a tool to uh, elevate- Heal people through- To heal people through humor. Medicine and humor, and, yeah. And, and to do it to like make 
kids especially probably, but to make patients feel more comfortable to add levity to a dark situation. If that's the point, then mm. I see there's something to that. This yep. is not the way his antics are used in this show. Not at all. We, nope. And if that was ever the intention that needed to be in the pilot. And so that's not a thing. And then just in terms of like one other note I wrote down as far as like trying to endear us to them, there is this like breakup scene, this sort of like Oof, weirdly yeah. like somewhat yeah. emotional breakup scene with this neglected girlfriend. And I'm just watching this and I'm just like, I don't care about these people. You're not going to like, I, what are you trying to force on me here is the, the, the tone shift well, they're was just ridiculous. Trying to get, it's a pilot. They're trying to get you to care. That's yeah. It didn't work. It's like that's, the, why, the that's why, but yeah. that's why that's there the because they want you to care. Yeah. The yeah. emotional manipulation they were trying for did, did not succeed. Yes. So yes. now last but not least, what we have to say before we move on to the other episode, Babu. Yeah, he, he's. I, yeah, I, how how do they how do they find Babu? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, this was made shortly before those episodes of Seinfeld with yeah. Babu Bot, the um, restaurant owner whose uh, business Jerry destroys. And uh, so yeah, I haven't gotten to see him in a lot of things, and it was not is. I know. Oh yeah. man, Actually, Brian, I mean, he's, Brian he's been George has yeah. Brian yeah. George is has worked he's, a lot. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get into it later. But like, yeah, mm. like be we know him most from that role. Yeah. But like, there he's like he's like a king among oh, men in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, this, this was like to see him in this silly role that's like pre Seinfeld. He was good mm. in it though. It was good. I, I found yeah, him. Yeah, I was good. I didn't find him too silly. I li I liked his yeah. scene a lot. I mean, actually. it was a measured no, performance. No, I mean silly in a good way. Like yeah, yeah. like yeah. as the yeah. point of it was a a typical you know, smaller city cable affiliate sort of morning, morning talk show, show. Yeah. does a great, great job as the host of that show and portraying mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And then the doctor goes on and he hasn't read the book and they start bickering. But then you realize that they're live on the air. That was the best scene in the pilot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it might have been interesting uh, to see. I, I, I was it did make me curious how some of the TV stuff might have gone. Yeah. So yeah. if I were willing to watch another episode of this show, it yeah. would have to be an episode that he's in that weighs heavily on that part of the world. Yeah. That's the only yeah. way I would give another few minutes of my time to this. So, But yeah, so you've yeah. got, the show has, this is the thing, the show has way too many fucking things going on, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you've got, yeah. we've yeah, got too Frewer, many. Running, Frewer running a practice with his friends. Then we got, Frewer as a medical consultant on TV. Now, presumably, this was something they would pull out whenever they wanted to. Yeah. But it was going to be an element to the show. Then you have, we have a main character who's credited in the pilot, but does not appear in the pilot. And that's his brother, who we'll talk about a lot. In this so next we have, episode. We yeah. have his relationship with his brother, uh, who lives downstairs from him. And this is like, these are three settings. Yeah, it's too much. It's way too much. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Speaking As, of his character alone, does too much. It's like really annoying. It's like how <laughs> does he, you know, his his relationship with his brother would would later end up being probably the best part about his character. Yes, and, I agree. And they with didn't that. think that we needed to see that in the pilot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently not. Yeah, they gave us too much overall in the pilot, but not yeah. enough of the couple things we wanted to learn and. 
speaking of the scope of things, that medical practice set is so like oddly large in scope. It's like multiple levels with this big kind of two-story lobby thing and stairs and and it's just like this big sweeping it's really hard to understand because like the, the fakest books you've ever seen fakest, on a shelf. <laughs> it's it's really big but really fake and then the the scenes between the partners talking about business mm-hmm. feel like this is kind of a scrappy ragtag group of doctors yeah. who are pretty new to the game of running a medical practice. So you would picture like a small neighborhood walk-in clinic. But then this set is like almost like a community hospital. Like it's huge. Yeah. And there's a, a cardiologist. <laughs> yeah. A lot going on. A lot. a lot going on. Okay. Do we want to well, get yeah, into the next move episode? On. Let's okay. move on. Season two, episode six. Here's the plot. Grant, the cardiologist, needs help writing a speech for some sort of conference. Sidebar, person who is nervous about public speaking having to give a big speech at a conference is definitely a huge trope from the time. Anyway. No, in general. Yes. Anyway. Happens on the office. Anything where there's a line where someone says, you got to just picture them all naked. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's been done thousands Thousands. and thousands and thousands thousands of times. I've seen that same scene on television thousands (laughs) and thousands of times. But in Bob's Burgers, they say that to Tina and Tina says, I already do picture everybody naked. (laughs) And then Gene goes, I don't know, maybe picture everybody like with just a sock covering stuff. (laughs) See, that's good. That's a good plan. That's a good subverting uh, of that trope. All right. So anyway, Mike suggests that his brother Richard would be able to help write and rehearse the speech. Mike's brother Richard is gay. Grant is homophobic. He initially seems to grow past this, and the two very quickly become good friends, bonding over things like fancy wine. They plan a weekend getaway to see some sort of show. Mike and the other partners at the practice start to wonder if Grant might actually also be gay, and perhaps there's a romantic relationship developing between the two. When Grant catches wind of these rumors, the panic sets in. Yeah. So he breaks off the plans with Richard, who upon finding out why, is understandably offended and calls out Grant's assumptions and homophobia. In the end, Grant apologizes and asks if they can still be friends. Meanwhile, there's a medical equipment salesman who keeps waltzing into the practice, pushing expensive equipment that they may or may not need. All the doctors are confident they can resist his slick sales tactics, but one by one, they fall prey and make some sort of big purchase. So there you go. That's it. That's a whole that lot. Was, that, that was it. That's that was it. it. All right, then. All right. Well, at least- See you next week. Unlike, unlike the pilot, at least it's very decisively, you know, two specific plot lines going on. You got your mm-hmm. A story. You got your B story. Let's discuss. Yeah. I yeah so I liked a lot of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked I, I again I when I knew the premise of it. You said like oh you know they I it was about a character confronting their homophobia. When I was watching the pilot, I was just like oh my god I can't watch Strat <laughs> I can't watch Stratford be homophobic for thirty minutes because this is going to be really rough. Because the character is already borderline offensive. Yeah. So color me surprised. That when he the, wasn't the one. When yeah. he <laughs> wasn't the one. And actually, like, I didn't expect the level of acceptance that character had. 
Yeah. Like the the and and I when we when I heard the premise and be like, oh, that won an award. Clearly, the award was definitely one of those like, yeah, they did get it for this episode, and I get it. Um, but also, they have a regular cast member who is gay and who is regularly accepted by the cast. And sadly, for fucking nineteen eighty nine, that was almost as, like, that yeah. was like as good as it got. And that's like, yeah, it made me sad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it made me sad. Yeah, it's it's yeah. for nineteen eighty nine. It's yeah. a well done i guess you could say it's a well done episode for what it's trying to do and mm-hmm. it is sad that that's what you know passed muster yeah. so to speak i think the i think the takeaway is that it's like uh, maybe the reason it got the award is because the gay character comes across the best and is the most three dimensional character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's the straight people that are being idiots yeah. and and that's the whole point, and that's why yeah, he comes across well. Yeah, and, and basically, hey, he, he's great. And he like, I, to see that he was point. a regular, I was like, oh wow. Yeah, like the the fact that the way in which he calls out Grant is so perfect, and mm-hmm. so it was like a bit of a gut punch because it was like he's like, I just you know you know I like I always saw you as a friend, and you always saw me as a slur yeah you know insert slur and and it was like you know it 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 was just it was a very well like the way Mm. he says it is like he's like you know why you know the implication is like we could have just been friends no matter what Mm -hmm. and you're just making it about this you made these stupid assumptions you you assumed i wanted to like sleep with you and that was never on the table it was literally just i wanted to be your friend because i thought yeah. We got along well, and this is you. This is your yeah. problem. This is not sh- a had me problem. Shared interests. Yeah. I thought we were friends. You thought we were friends. Suddenly, you became. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was Crazy. worried how it made him look, which was just like, again, a gut punch. Because yeah. he's just like, come, come on. Yeah. Come on. But it's a, you know, I say that from twenty twenty three, right? Yeah, and like Matt Matt Frewer, like you know, he he is very like his character. Like, that is the one time I was, like, on the character side because he was, like, very... He's basically, like, why is this even a thing? Like, yeah. you know, it's, like... Like, can he shames Grant for his treatment of him? He's, like, you know, our our own dad won't even talk to him. Yeah. So you think you have it hard, you know? You don't know what he's been through, you know? And I was, like, oh, that is, like... I just thought it was really well written. Like those mm-hmm. aspects yeah. of it were really well written. That aspect of the show was yeah. was surprisingly well done. Yeah. It mm-hmm. kind of makes sense why it won the award. Um, it's too bad that that all kind of had to share the stage with the other plot line, which really just felt like filler. Yeah. That's con. You know what, though? I- I've noticed over the years that that is pretty common in these quote unquote important episodes where <laughs> yeah, they do need to have stakes. a yeah. They, they do need to have a B plot. Yeah. Uh but also they almost always make them very, very low stakes. And yeah, yeah very like small. Cause like one or two scenes we even saw on that, right? But it w- but but that B plot, it's like on the one hand, in terms of uh supporting and defending his brother Dr. Yeah. Mike actually, you know, saves a small cat. 
in that yeah, episode where we're kind of like, okay, just a kitten, I, I'm you know, a kitten. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to to now spend a little bit more screen time with you. But then the, his antics in the B story go we're right, so go right back yeah. to the like peak, even more annoying than he is in the pilot. Where where yeah. just the way he's doing doing these jokes around like the medical gadgets and stuff, and I'm just like, stop, just stop, stop. Just cut to the yeah. next scene. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, so proud of the writers for <laughs> having uh, a rectal probe introduced in this episode <laughs> and just somehow like, I'm like, man, you guys need to give yourself a pat on the back for not even not even trying to bring that <laughs> into, into the rest of it. Because like I was like real worried when that rectal probe made an appearance uh, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no, what are you guys going to do? Yeah. And they were like, nope, just a medical. We're not going there. Uh, and I was like, you know, it was pitched, though. You know, it was pitched yeah, in the room. Yeah, it was it was it was pitched. It yeah. was pitched. I maybe even, the, maybe I don't the even reason, want to think about what was pitched. Maybe, maybe yeah. the reason why that subplot is so light is because like they, Someone they like, was like, they oh, cut no. everything. Out. Yeah, they probably did. Right. Well, there's one other thing that we didn't mention in what happens in that episode, which is the the cold open, so to speak, which is. Uh, an encounter with a patient uh, who may may be Elvis. He was like an impersonator, I guess. Well, it wasn't clear whether he was intended to be an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, but it was 89. Elvis is dead. But there were all these conspiracy theorists who believe that Elvis was actually still alive and in hiding. And there were aspects of it where it seemed like the joke was this actually is Elvis but he's like hiding out in Providence, Rhode Island, under the radar. And uh, I think you're the only one who I read that scene yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, because he wouldn't have worn his whole regalia yeah, I, if he I were think, hiding I think, out. I think you're the only one who read that scene as it's really Elvis. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think he I, was just making I a think, joke. Yeah, that it was because that. For, like yeah. Stratford's fucking with him the whole time. I know, yeah. but well. Okay, I think they were playing off some degree of ambiguity there. I'm not suggesting any of us rewatch it to to, to research this, but um, that was just my take. Doesn't matter anyway. That- hey, listeners, was it Elvis? You tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh but boy, the, the bigger point is that uh, for a show about a medical practice run by a group of doctors mm-hmm. who have patients coming and going a lot. Out of two episodes, we saw very little interaction with patients. I mean, almost none. So, I think we're I think we're about to just lob like a complaint about just sitcoms in general, where yeah. we see very little, very well, little work being done. Just like in Party Girl, like the promise of seeing club scenes, we like didn't get in the episodes we, we, we watched. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got a girl. We got a girl. We got a whole lot of. We got a whole lot of library and library like, girl. I and like you a, know, we all know I'd watch that show. Yeah. Well, if you want to see the version of this show uh, that works, I'll tell you where you watch it. It's called Scrubs, and yeah. it is nothing like this show, but it is also somehow everything like this show. Yeah, it's true. That's like I guess that's how you do a medical sitcom where it's like, like I think the thing that I didn't like was like the fact. Well, I didn't like a lot about it, but it was like okay, they were trying to do this thing where it was like okay, peek behind the curtain of how the business mm-hmm. aspect of it works, but I feel like that's too specific. 
for a big audience and two behind, like inside baseball, you know? <laughs> the billings. Yeah. The, bi- well, the, the billing mean, system. I think, I think average people like don't want to fucking know about that. Personally, I don't want to know that my, <laughs> my doctor also moonlights as a novelist and is also this TV personality. Like, I don't want to know about that. Like, I just want you to be a good doctor and I don't care about how your business is run. I care that I'm being seen by a medical professional. I don't want to know. It just feels shitty seeing that. It just feels, <laughs> you know, like I don't care how you're trying to make as much money as you want in the late 80s. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't. <laughs> but, al- <laughs> but also, but also 1989 New England. I feel like everyone it was the Ra- wa- wanted like you know reagan wanted era to, i guess uh, write or the was gr- reagan out by then yeah, e- maybe no, was- well, everyone wanted to write the great american novel on the side everyone had like a a, a book manuscript that they were cooking yeah. up no matter what their but it's like career there's was. lots of yeah i don't know and and the and when ex- you're already a successful person why do you also have to try <laughs> to be like that you know what i mean you can have because you can have depth <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, they're bored. I guess. Okay, my thing is, I think it's, I think it's fine to show that a doctor has some other side interest outside of yes, interest, medicine, of course. But, but having a second career is annoying. Even like, if it's well, here's the thing: if the point is he's trying to write a book, or he wrote a book, or whatever, they mm-hmm. picked the wrong aspect of that to like make that fun. Yeah, like. Starting the show, it was interesting. Well, uh, maybe. with the book coming out and him doing press for it, yeah. was was maybe not the place to start. If you're yeah. trying to say, "Oh, it's always been his dream to write this yeah. sci-fi story," yeah, like give us season one to be trying to write the book, like yeah, yeah. But then the it, show is not about that. I but then what, then uh, maybe the about? whole thing is is that a lot of doctors do publish, uh, and maybe the the joke is that. Yeah, so does he, but he also but he's publishing sci-fi novels. Right. But again, I feel like they could have explained that a little bit. I don't know. It's like it's almost like assuming people know that. I don't know. That that doctors publish? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think I, a lot me, of people I, know that. I'm, like, throwing, we know that I'm, but... throw, I'm throwing darts at a board here. I don't know what they're trying to go with, for, with I, it. I, I, I think they're know. just maybe seeing like, all right, well, the doctor stuff's not working. Let's go with his it, novelist stuff. It like, felt more plausible, the whole thing of him becoming the TV personality. Like, that seemed to make sense. But like, they needed, almost needed an in to get him into that world. And like, the reason mm-hmm. why he ends up doing that is because of the silly banter that happens between him and the TV host. And that's mm-hmm. how that evolves into that. But it's like, why not have him on there for another reason? Why not have him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause I don't know. Like, there was like that funny plot that we saw recently on the other two where there's like this doctor who is like this like Instagram doctor and he's like this like hot doctor who <laughs> becomes Instagram famous and he's like an influencer and all this and then it turns out he's just like a really bad doctor like <laughs> so that's like kind of a funny way of like it's like he's like a celebrity doctor but he's like you know like he's more into being the celebrity but mm-hmm. you know so i feel like that works but i feel like this I don't know. Well, okay. Now so, I'm just ranting so, yeah, again. If we really want to like, if we really want to figure out how they could have done this a little differently, 
It's like, yeah, what if eh. out of the doctors in this prep- Is it worth doing? <laughs> it's not, but now I, want, now I want to see this concept to its conclusion. The Mindy, the Mindy Project. They do it on the, the Mindy, Mindy Project. Project. The yeah. Mindy Project so, was, about okay. running, uh, was about running a private practice. Yeah, see, they did it. Yeah. They did it in a way yeah. that was felt not- Yeah, it didn't feel uh, contrived on there. So Mindy until Project- it, Until it was in, terrible. Until, yeah, I mean- yeah. So Mindy Project, Scrubs. But like, what like, if, what if he was this- Were those shows inspired by this show, possibly? <laughs> well, if... they were all inspired by MASH. Yeah, I guess, I guess they were all inspired by MASH, yeah. What if he was this doctor who's always, you know, on? Like, he's always just like really hyped up and has this big yeah. personality and is- his other partners are all just trying to do the normal sort of practicing medicine mm -hmm. thing, but their practice is kind of struggling for some reason. Yeah. And then he accidentally falls into this gig as a TV personality. He's not an amazing doctor, but he ends up being very compelling for the TV audience, which in turn brings, brings tons that, of see, patients to the practice. So now you have yep. a dynamic where the other doctors there are grateful for the fact that his ridiculous personality is keeping people coming in through the doors. So yeah. he can do his thing. They can do their thing. And there is a little bit of like friction between them. But at least like there's a reason for all of these yeah. elements to be to be there. Whereas this kind of felt like, let's just dump everything in the kitchen sink in. in. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I would say this doesn't work and why even that idea wouldn't work. And this mm -hmm. is something that a lot of sitcoms get really, really wrong. Right. Your whole premise can't be tied to this guy. Yeah. You can't not have the rest of your cast not be funny. What's the point? What's the point of having an ensemble? If all they're doing is reacting, right? So I, you did notice in the second season, like the the other doctors seem to have gotten a little bit more sitcommy, and that's because a little, yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, like, look at his Greg was very sitcommy in the second episode uh, that we watched, and you know, like it's but it's it fails right it fails if if all people are doing is look at this guy and that's why this show really doesn't work okay so i guess it's about that time where we connect this show doctor doctor to friends I am very excited to see how you go about doing that, because as compared to the other shows we've done so far this season, it certainly seems far less obvious. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've, you've kind of hyped it up too much. It's going to be a little anticlimactic. So there are two one degree connections, uh, and I really didn't feel like it, there could have been a lot more, but I just really for this one, I did not feel like investigating that far. <laughs> so I'll give you the two one degree connections. So the first one is through Audrey Neenan, who plays Nurse Faye, uh, who's like a recurring uh, character who we didn't even like the one that, you know, Mike Stratford makes fun of, but is not actually a ditz. Uh, so she guest starred on Friends. Mm. And then um, the other connection is through Michael Lembeck, who directed many episodes of Friends. He also directed some episodes of Doctor Doctor. There you go. That's all I got. All right. Well, there we go. And what about the spinoff? Right. So I guess the the overall theme is that 
this show didn't slow anyone down in terms of having lots of work in television. Like everybody in the cast um, did a lot of work in television as guest stars. So it's like a lot of you go through their IMDb credits and you see a lot of like guest stars, like one episode here, one episode there. Like that's very common for all of them. So none of them were really hurting for work. Um, like Matt Frewer, like he had already kind of made a splash as like Max Headroom. Like that was his like big thing. Uh, and his career kept rolling after that. He has tons of parts in TV and films, has done a lot of voice work as well. Um, he's got like a total of 137 IMDb credits. So, you know, he's he's just kind of been a guy out there in the world. Uh, Bo uh, Gravit, who played uh, Grant. Uh, Grant. I always yeah. fuck up their name. Yeah. So he has done a lot of work in uh, film and TV off and on. He like kind of falls into that category I mentioned where he do do a lot of one off things. Um, he's also done a lot of stage work as well. He was in one of those Danielle Steele movies that we talked about in our um, <laughs> that that whole like funny oral history of the the strategy to get um, Jennifer Aniston from muddling through to friends by right. sabotaging the network via Danielle Steele movies. He was in one of those. Um, and he's currently the artistic director of the Actors Studio in New York. So that's kind of a neat thing about him. So he's obviously a well-respected figure in like the theater world. Um, Julius Carey, who played Abe, um, also has worked steadily after. Fun fact, he appeared in two episodes of Maybe This Time, another Twas uh, show. Most notable roles include uh, Lord Bowler on The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and uh, a character named Bill on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Uh, sadly, he passed away in 2008, but did a lot of work in television before then. Uh, Maureen Mueller, um, she worked a lot in film and television off and on since. She played five different characters on um, <laughs> uh, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, which I find very funny. <laughs> There's those like New York actors who guest star in all the um law they get they really get into those law and order franchise shows and it's hilarious when the same actor will portray five different roles like throughout the season because they'll just very like, common yeah it's very common but it's no less like jarring because it's like hey there's tons of actors in new york why do you have to use the same ones over and over in different roles yeah because it, it's like, <laughs> like a you could use like i'm sure there's some theater actor who could use that one guest star role like you didn't need to give it to the same woman it's a, it's like, a crime drama but they'll reuse actors as if it's a sketch troupe yeah it's hilarious but um yeah and then we've got tony carrero who uh played the the brother and was great in that episode um, he's guest starred on all the classic 90, 90s sitcoms, including um, Home Improvement, Empty Nest, Wings, Frasier, like all of them. Uh, and Sarah Abrell, and I couldn't figure out which blonde she was. I'm so sorry. She, she might have been the girlfriend. She didn't work much after no. this, so she took a big break. And Brian George, you know, who we've already mentioned, um, we know him best as Babu Bhatt, but, you know, he actually was only in three episodes of Seinfeld, which yeah, is wild. 
but yeah. it seemed like a bigger recurring role. Um, one of his like biggest roles, actually, though, was Dr. Shakur on The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Like, that cool. was like a big role in that show. Um, he has 308 IMDb credits. Oh, my God. I know. He's like, you know. Yeah, that a new when, you were like, when you were saying, like, oh, I haven't seen him much, I was like, oh, man, you have, no, though. You yeah, have. you have. He's been there. And he's done a ton of voice roles. Like, he's, you know, he's just done all the video games, all the, like, comic book, you know. Awesome. Yeah, tons. Like, he's just, he's not hurt for work his entire career. He's always been out there. Um. Yeah, I, I guess. Um. There's not much else to say. Like the creator of the series, Norman Steinberg, he you know kept working. You know he found more success executive producing other sitcoms, including Raising Dad, which was the Bob Saget show that was like, from oh, a right. few years ago, where Kat Dennings and Brie Larson were his daughters. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I mean, everybody did fine after this. Um, and that's, that's what I got. Great. Great. <laughs> great. I have one leftover. I don't okay, know if, if either it, of you honey. have any leftovers, go for it. but one thing we didn't talk about is the opening song and titles. Oh boy. All right. Let's. That yeah. was <laughs> Good one, of, one of the weirdest that we've encountered yet visually. Um, this song, it's a famous song. It's fine. Like the song is fine. I have to wonder whether they chose the title for the show based on the song lyric. <laughs> where they're like, yeah, we want to open with this song. The song says Dr. Doctor. So let's just call the show Dr. Doctor. There's that. But like, okay. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'll just describe really simply. The show opens with a montage of still images of basically illustrations. like illustrations and artwork over presumably decades and or centuries of portrayals of doctors and the practice of medicine throughout history, some of which seem to be like very like outlandish, almost like centuries old illustrations of weird, you know, medical practices and things like that. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Cheers uh, opening. Yes. Like, that was like yes. a popular style. Although the thing with the Cheers opening is that the the imagery all had a very specific vibe to it. It wasn't like mm -hmm. a mishmash. Yeah, that was one of different style. styles. Yeah. yeah. But like it's a similar thing. It's a, I, they were going for a similar style, which I, I guess must have been all the rage in the 80s where it's like, okay, this is about this uh, profession or this particular element of our culture. Let's show a bunch of like, like kind of folksy, iconic yeah. imagery that depicts that in a animated sequence montage. Well, that's a very good observation. Yeah. I so didn't make that connection. It was trying to be like that, but it was very crudely, poorly done and I have a question. What's why, that? why this song and not Bad Case of Loving You? Exactly. That's what I thought it was. And that's the song that was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> like the doctor, doctor. Doc, yeah, exactly. Give me some, yeah. Some new, is it give me some news? I got a bad case of loving you. Yeah, because the, yeah, anyway. the doctor is about to give you some, some news. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, the, and the ailment is that he's 
Yeah. Got a bad case of, of the, loving you. The scene that I, whenever that song gets in my head, the scene I automatically go to, speaking of the audience, the, the office, is that scene late, late, late in the series where Andy is auditioning for the stupid uh, <laughs> reality TV yeah. show. And Jessica St. Clair, who's a very funny actor who I've always been a fan of, she's like this woman he meets in line and she introduces herself with that song because her name is KCD and she adds her name in the song. So I literally cannot separate that song from that like moment from the office. Like it's this weird association I have now. I don't know why, but I feel like that might actually even be in the series finale. It might be. Yeah. Because I be. feel like that's when he's auditioning. Yeah. Well, no, it's well after it's well before that because he starts getting made fun of a lot. He becomes a meme by the final episode because oh he's the, the crying meme. Because he oh does the oh, audition right. I, and fails I don't miserably and says, I am so going to sit here and cry. And that becomes I've, a full on meme. Yeah. I have blacked out everything after Corral yeah. leaves. Yeah. Well, Aaron's the same way. He doesn't like the post Corral. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll suffer but through it for how we're, other aspects of the show. But notice how we're trying to wrap up this episode and we're going back to the office and uh, we started. It's a better show. Exactly. No, that's what I'm getting at. And we started this episode talking about the Oscars completely off topic because we wanted something more interesting to talk about. Yeah. Well, okay. Because so it wasn't that interesting, but somehow we filled like, you know, over an hour talking about it. Well, yeah, because I don't a know. lot of ta- tangents, you it, know, a lot it, of tangents. It prompted a lot of discussion. Yeah. So I mean, that's the point of our podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do a quick check in with Mr. Producer. I feel like we've just about tapped the depths of that particular well. Don't you want to know about how his sitcom's shaping up, though? Uh, hey, yeah, I guess. Hello, Genuine Class Productions, Raleigh Prince Jeffries speaking. Hello, Raleigh. It's Aaron Yeager from Twas. Ah, yes, Mr. Seeger. I'll transfer you through. Hey, kid! Hey, Mr. P, what's shaking? Ah, you know, busy, busy. Time is money, money is pickles, as they say. They certainly do. What did you guys do on the, on the show this time around? Doctor, doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the news. Got the bad case of the great, great one. Great. Right, one. right. Yes. You know, that show won two GLAAD awards. It did. Did any of your shows win anything similar? Uh, one of my early 80s shows, Meet Cute. It got a special award from the Cincinnati Meatpacker and Butchers Media Association. Oh, sure, the CMPBMA. Yeah, we were one of the only shows who uh, was really taking careful precautions with how we told stories about the nation's butchers. Does that count? <laughs> it really doesn't. So, anyway, what's happening with your show? That's it. That's it! Yeah, any news? Last time we talked about the premise a bit. You know, the ventriloquist opening up the pet store, Jack Nicholson. Uh, yeah, I guess it's been a little while. Things have uh, changed a little bit. You know, a couple of cooks in the kitchen. Nicholson passed? Ah, uh, well, no, no, not exactly. Uh, we, well, they decided to go uh, in a different direction. So who's in line to play the voice of the dummy? 
Ah, well, some of the studio guys, they, they just flipped over the show. They flipped, but they had a couple of notes, you know, which is uh, a story of my life, right? So the dummy, he didn't make it in. Oh, well, so it's just about a pet shop? It is not. The magician. Out. So what parts did they like? They loved the title. That's it? That's it. <laughs> so now we're eyeing a bit of a family sitcom angle for it, you know? Just a real family. Down and out dad, maybe a wife, some kids, tell some relatable stories. You know, time will tell. What was that show you guys uh, covered today again? Doctor Doctor? Yeah, see, there we go. That gives me a great idea. Oh, yeah, what? A robot who is a living chef for the family. <sighs> yep. All right, well, I mean... It'll be fun to see how that uh, that show continues to evolve. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk to him again soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Can't wait. Sounds like a real winner. <laughs> well, I mean, up against Dr. Doctor, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, even Mr. Producer, I feel like, wouldn't have touched that one. No. Or he would have at least thrown, you know, uh, a chimpanzee in it. That show could have <laughs> yeah. used a chimpanzee. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, that's uh, another episode of whatever this is called. That uh, was a show? Oh, right. Yeah, I always forget that. Uh, but, you know, you can check us out uh, on social media. You can check us out on the Instagrams, as the kids say. Uh, it's uh, That was a show. Uh, and now you can find uh, our first two seasons on, on YouTube if you want to go back and uh, look at some of those. So, uh, you know, the uh, count there is also That Was a Show. So that is, I don't <laughs> know figure. why I forgot. I don't know why I for, forgot the name. Yeah. And, and uh, visit our <laughs> website. That was a show.com. And it oh. links to all of these great things. Yeah. Like the, uh, the grams and the tubes. Yeah. All those things. The grams and the tubes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Now I just want like graham crackers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That Was a Show? Radio Gizmo.